So we're in our series, the book of Ephesians, spiritual affluence, the abundance of opportunities of our spiritual lives. We're going to be in this series for the next two weeks after this week, um, and that will bring us right to Christmas. And basically, we're going to finish up the book of Ephesians. If you remember in the past, I stated the first three chapters are about doctrine, what we believe. The second three uh, chapters are about, the last three chapters are about application, how we behave. So Paul's going to start off here in chapter 5 with the Christian household, how the Christian household should function. So the first topic that Paul is dealing with in the Christian household is the topic of marriage. Now, believers have an amazing opportunity to use their marriage to be a light for the gospel. We as believers have amazing opportunities to use our marriages as a light for the gospel. Now, many of you are married, so hearing what the scriptures teach about marriage is going to help enrich your marriage. Now, others of you are not married, and you might think, ah, oh, this doesn't really apply to me, or ah, oh, I tuned in on the wrong week, or ah, oh, man, I can't believe I showed up today. They're talking about marriage. But let me just tell you, what you're about to learn today can be easily applied if you pursue a person that is a believer and agrees with the scriptures. Who you choose to marry will dictate how this is going to go for you. Check out what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6.14. He says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? So for those of you that are looking to get married, if you choose to pursue an unbeliever, you're going to set yourself up for a ton of problems. But if you pursue a believer, following what we will learn today will be that much easier. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but it will be that much easier. Now, for those of you, some of you out there may never marry. But you know what? Paul has some good news for you. 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 34 says this. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. So listen, if you're not married and maybe never will be married, you have less to be concerned about. Your main concern is putting your attention and your focus on the work of the Lord. The Apostle Paul who said that actually was that. He was a single man who spent his life serving the Lord. So now let's get into the passage about marriage. Ephesians 5, 21 through 24, it says, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So the concept here for the wife is wives Submit to your own husbands. Wow. Now that's pretty controversial, isn't it? Especially in our culture right now. Now some, when you hear this, you automatically shut down. Or some, when you hear this, you translate it to mean different things that it doesn't necessarily mean. 
Some will say, oh, this is all about the culture that they lived in. Men were in charge. Women were not seen as equal. They were seen as property. So in order to be a good testimony in that community, in that society, women should fall into line and just listen to whatever their husband said. Now, attributing this passage to culture ignores the fact that Jesus broke cultural norms all the time in order to follow the word of God, especially when it came to women and when it came to marginalized people. So that can't be the way that we interpret this. The second way, some will say, oh, men are superior to women in general. That's why it says this. Well, that, first of all, is chauvinistic and obviously not the case due to the fact that when God created man and woman, he said both were image bearers of God and he did not say one is inferior to the other. Look at Genesis 1, 27 through 28. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. See, God said, male and female, he created them, both image bearers of God. So obviously these two views are not God's intention for how we should interpret this passage. So then we have to ask ourselves this question. What is God's intention and how should this be interpreted? Well, we're going to get to that. But first, I want to deal with what the scripture has to say to husbands. So then we could put the two together and see how the passage makes sense in the context of marriage, in the context of the marriage relationship and how it was designed. The marriage relationship was designed to actually point people to Jesus and his church. So let's look at Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. It says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. So basically what Paul is saying here is, this is marriage. Husbands, love your wives. Now, love seems like an easier directive, right? Because basically when you think about marriage, you think about love. Well, let's take a better look at what the extent is that husbands should love their wives. Husbands should love their wives by giving yourself up for her. See, most of you guys would say, oh, I would die for my wife. Someone breaks into the house, I'll protect my wife. Actually, I'm ready for that day. Someone's trying to harm her, I'm going to step in and make sure that that doesn't happen. I'd risk my life for my wife. Now, these are things that more than likely you'll never have to deal with. But some of the things that you will deal with are basically going to be day-to-day -day things that you're going to give up yourself 
Maybe your ideas, maybe your likings, maybe what you want to do for her. Let me ask you guys some questions. Can you do things around the house that she wants done? Hey, look around. Are things lacking in your house? You didn't fix that or you didn't fix this and your wife's been asking you, oh, can you get to that? Can you tend to that? Can you do that? And you're like, eh. Well, that's giving up yourself, right? And going and doing the things around the house that she's maybe asked you to do or just need to be done. Another question, can you go and do things that she wants to do that maybe you don't like or want to do? Are you willing to go to a play, go out shopping, go to a botanical garden, go to a restaurant that costs too much and the portions are so small that on the way home you have to stop at McDonald's? Can you do things like that for your wife? When she's asking you, I would love if you took me here and did this with me. Can you give something up you want to do like a hobby so you can stay home and meet the needs of your family? Can you be a listening ear for her when she talks about the problems and issues she may be having with her family or at work or with her friends or with the children? Can you give up that time to be that listening ear to hear her out? Will you join the men's Bible study group that maybe she's encouraging you to join? Maybe she goes to her ladies group and she's like, I would really love you to go to the men's group. Can you do something like that? Do you look for ways to make her life easier and take some pressure and stress off all the things that she does for the household? See, these are practical ways that you give up or sacrifice for her. And this communicates love to her. It's the love that's basically saying, husbands, love your wives. See, Jesus loved us and he gave his life for our sins so that when we trust in him, our sins are washed away and we can be presented to God the Father as righteous people. See, remember when Jesus was dying on the cross, he took our sins upon himself and he gave us his righteousness. Jesus presents us to the Father as if we've never sinned. That's the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is when you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again three days later to prove that he is God, you are a believer in Christ. But not only that, you are presented to God the Father as if you never sinned because of Christ's love, because he washed that sin away. He gave up himself for you. You see, when husbands love their wives in the way that Jesus loved us, here is what happens. It wins the wife over. It makes her role of submitting to her husband a joy, not a burden, because now she knows that he has her best interests in mind. So now let's get back to this, wives submit to your own husband. Now, what does this look like? What does this biblically even mean? Now, the scriptures teach that a husband is supposed to be the spiritual leader in the family. That means he's to care for and take interest in the spiritual health and well-being of the wife and the children. Now, this is where the system right breaks down because many men don't do that. Many men are guilty of not doing that. They look at spiritual things as effeminate. They leave these things up to their wives. Do you know this is 
a problem that is literally worldwide, but definitely an American problem. Because most of the churches in America are actually 60 to 70% female. Men have dropped the ball. And they're not stepping up to the role that God has called them to. So now the natural response of women is to think or say, well, he's no spiritual leader. Why would I listen to him? Sadly, they have a good reason to feel that way. And then they come to church and hear, wives submit to your own husbands. They're like, yeah, sure, whatever. If I leave it up to this guy, we're all going to be in trouble. In fact, our culture kind of thinks this, this is funny, don't they? They think it's funny when guys drop the ball. Now think about this. Think about the comedy sitcoms that you and I watch on TV. I mean, it's pretty much in almost every sitcom about the family. Most of the time, the husband slash dad is a dope. Everyone laughs because it's a comedy, right? But he's the dope. And he can't figure things out. But the wife slash mom, she's the one who has everything together, right? She has everything together. And she parents the kids, but she also parents the dad. She also parents her husband. She's got everything together. He's dope. We laugh at it. And guess what? It erodes our culture. It erodes the way that we look at things because now we look at things and we laugh because it's on TV. But I can tell you what. There is not a woman in this world that's living a life like that that's laughing. She's not laughing. It's a burden. She feels the weight of her marriage and family all on her shoulders, kind of like we felt when the weight of our sin was on our shoulders before we trusted in Christ. See, because we're sinners, we have that weight and guilt and shame of sin, but Christ comes and lifts it off. So when husbands love their wives like Christ loved the church, he's coming and he's saying, I'm lifting the burden off just you. You don't have to carry my burden. I'm not one of the kids. You don't have to parent me. Nobody's going to be laughing at me because I'm going to be stepping up and being the man God created me to be. See, when a, man is loving, when, when a man is a loving husband that takes care and concern for the spiritual well-being of his wife and his children, now all of a sudden, this submission thing or following godly leadership becomes a joy because she feels safe and she knows that nothing that he will do will be bad for her, but he desires good for her. It's the same way that we feel about Jesus no matter what happens in our lives, we should not have a problem following Jesus because we know that we're safe. But more important, we know that he's good. See, when a husband loves his wife like Christ loves the church, then submission is actually a natural response from a wife to her husband. Notice, though, the passage says, wives submit to your husbands, and it says this, as to the Lord. Now, as to the Lord is a comparison. Also, it reminds wives that there's a higher authority to whom she is responsible, and that is the Lord. The as to the Lord, she's not, she's, she's not under any obligation to disobey any civil laws or any of God's laws in submission to her husband. The as to the Lord is not putting the husband as an equal or the same level to the Lord. 
See, the wife submits in things that are right and lawful and God-honoring because her husband is leading her that way and saying, this is the way that we should go. Follow me. And of course, a wife is never going to submit to abuse. A wife is never going to submit to something that is wrong or sinful. The submission of a wife to the husband in this passage does not allow for the husband to be selfish or domineering because his command is to actually love. And he is responsible before God to fulfill that command for his wife and then also his children. So then Paul goes on to teach and remind what God's intention for marriage was in the first place. Ephesians 5, 31 through 32. He says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. See, the mystery of marriage, two becoming one, is just like the church and Jesus becoming one. It's this mystery. It's this spiritual unity that a man and woman have in marriage. And it shows us the spiritual unity that we have with Christ as believers. So now as believers, we can use our marriages to actually communicate the gospel with others when we as husbands and wives follow this love and submission model. So then Paul adds to the end in Ephesians 5.33. He says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So now there's a little change here. Notice he changed submit to respect. Now, why did he do this? Well, some of you might have heard of the book called Love and Respect, Dr. Emerson Egridge. He actually built an entire marriage, marriage ministry. Him and his wife built an entire marriage ministry on this one verse because he found it interesting that men are commanded to love their wives, but women are commanded to respect their husbands. Now, he realized that this is not cultural. He's like, it's not a cultural statement. His premise is this. The deepest need of a woman is to feel loved. Just in life in general, the deepest need of a woman is to feel loved. And the deepest need of a man is to actually be respected. And what Paul is saying here is the main place that those needs should be met is within the marriage unity, is within the marriage covenant. And guess what? When a man or a woman doesn't get their needs met in their marriage, guess what they do? And you've all seen it. You've had friends and relatives, family members, whatever. You've seen it. They go outside the marriage to have their needs met. So women realize their love when they see that their husband will lay down his life for them in very practical ways every day. And men realize they're respected when their wife is willing to follow their godly leadership in their marriage. So now when the marriage is observed by the children, by the extended family, by friends, by coworkers, by neighbors, whoever sees that marriage, they see something different and unique. They actually see a marriage that points them 
to Jesus. Now imagine, imagine with me for a minute. Imagine churches full of men that love their wives enough to meet their needs and do that with joy and not complain about it. Imagine churches filled with women that speak highly of their husbands. Don't treat them like someone they have to parent, like one of the extra kids in the house. Do you know what happens when that happens? Do you know what happens when we have a church like that? The light of Jesus will shine through. Now this sounds great, doesn't it? But what do you do if your spouse does not follow what the Lord says? Well, here is the best pastoral advice I can give you. You do what is right in the sight of the Lord and pray that your good conduct wins your spouse over to do what's right as well. You don't go and nag them. You don't go and push their buttons. You don't go and start arguments. You do what's right and you pray that your conduct wins your spouse over. That they open up their eyes and see how they're supposed to behave within the marriage covenant. See, as believers, we have an amazing opportunity in our marriage to be a light for the gospel message. We can point, with our marriage, we point to the unity that we have between us and our Savior, Jesus Christ.